This is the Town Roots Podcast, episode number three. Welcome to the Town Roots Podcast, the podcast of, about, and for Oakland. No matter if you live in the town, do business here, or are visiting, we have something for you. And now, your hosts, Anthony Wilson and Vincent Hayes. So welcome, Kim, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is yeah, very exciting. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. So why don't we get started, Kim, and why don't you just tell us about Formosa Chocolates? Yeah, so Formosa Chocolates is a uh, small uh, artisanal handcrafted chocolate company um, based in uh, Oakland and uh, Emeryville. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, what I like to describe it as um, traditional Belgian techniques with American flavors and Taiwanese um, sense of uh, gift-giving and hospitality. My family is from Taiwan, and uh, the reason I chose the name Formosa is a tribute to the the, the island of Taiwan. Uh, Formosa is the old name for, for the island of Taiwan. is given to it by the Portuguese sailors in the 1700s. So um, I thought it was a nice name for a chocolate company. Oh, that's, that sounds cool. So well, tell me, how did you get started making chocolates? So I got started making chocolates about uh, a year and a half ago. I love cooking. I love feeding other people. And uh, when I go on vacation to places, I like to try and take chocolate classes. Or, sorry, I like to take cooking classes. And um, I'd never really worked with chocolate before. And I saw that uh, the International Culinary Center in New York was offering um, like a five-day chocolate boot camp. And so I signed up for that. And it was great. It was uh, The classes were at night. So that gave me the daytime to go explore the museums and the food scene in New York and then go to chocolate class. And then after that, I would go to um, Argentine Tango, uh, which is really uh, popular in New York. And so I'd go dancing and um, I would bring my, uh, I guess, the, the homework that we had from class and bring it to, to the dance party and share them with my new friends there. And um, I think that's when I kind of got started really um, seeing just seeing the joy that chocolate brings to people, just the joy on their faces, like as soon as it hits their tongue, just the way their faces light up, um, that's kind of a secondary payment for me, I think. And so uh, that's just something I continued to do as a hobby um, until about August or so last year when they, uh, I was working as a psychiatrist at Kaiser Permanente. And um, at that point, I was feeling a little burnt out with my work. And, uh, but at the same time, also just becoming more and more obsessed with chocolate. Like I felt all of my thoughts were being directed towards chocolate. Uh, when anytime I had a spare moment, I was just kind of, I was reading everything I could about it, obsessing over uh, ways I could decorate the chocolate, different fillings, different techniques. And um, yeah, so I, when I quit my job at Kaiser, I was able to dedicate all my time to making chocolates. Um one thing I used to joke about with uh, chocolates is that it seems to work faster to bring a smile to people's faces than antidepressants do. <laughs> and um, and I, I mean, there's a little bit of science to that. Like chocolates, they do boost endorphins in the brain, uh, which in turn le- uh, lessens pain and reduces stress. Um, and chocolates also contain tryptophan, which is a important component in uh, production of serotonin. 
So in some ways, chocolate is like an antidepressant. <laughs> so so, so yeah. I know you said you started off as a doctor and then you got this passion mm-hmm. for, for chocolate. Did you, and, and, and so you're just sort of, you know, rattling off some of the, um, you know, the, the benefits of chocolate. Do you bring in some of your experience and in, in medical training into your, into your chocolate business? Um, I, I mean, this is, it's not really a selling point of the chocolates. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, um, they, they also, I mean, as a physician, I think you would, uh, be negligent to encourage somebody to just have chocolates and not medication if it's necessary. And of course, there's also, you have to be mindful of the sugar and fat content in chocolate too. But, um, but I think in limited amounts though, it's actually, I think it can be part of a healthy lifestyle. No, I guess what I meant was, does it inform the way you go about sort of making the chocolates or, or anything? Is there any, Mm -hmm. anything about your medical training kind of serve as a basis for your for your business or is it just completely unrelated it's completely unrelated yeah. i think okay um which it's been yeah I've, I've really liked that part actually about it because um i i think i had grown a little bit um i guess complacent in my career i felt uh, really comfortable being a physician and um it seemed really just the same thing from day to day while I find the work still very fulfilling, um, it was just, uh, it wasn't as much of a challenge as it was initially. Switching over to chocolate was completely new. I was, um, when I took the chocolate class, I was probably the most ignorant person in the class. And <laughs> it was really, it was really, um, humbling, I think. And, uh, just, and chocolate will always teach you that you, you don't, you think you know, you think you know what you're doing and you actually don't. Um, so, yeah, I think that's been really, uh, I guess, important for my um, <laughs> continued satisfaction with being a chocolatier. So I, I have a question for you. I've been uh, looking at the designs of your chocolates. Where do you get your inspiration from? Because there are a lot of very intricate designed chocolate pieces on your site. And, and it's just amazing that you can do this stuff. Yeah. Um, well, I... I get a lot of inspiration. Well, I try to decorate the colors based on what's inside. Um, so like if something like, for example, like the honey cinnamon might have like, um, some, like a little bit of red, um, decoration on the outside. <laughs> Passion fruit is, um, it's orange and black to look a bit more like the fruit. Um, I'm trying to think what else I have. <laughs> I, I, I guess, um, let me back up on that one. <laughs> I haven't really thought a whole lot about the decorations with these with the chocolates, but it's more um, just the feeling I get when I when I taste the chocolates. I'll t- usually I'll start with the uh, ganache, the the filling, mm-hmm. and um, based on the flavor, I think of what colors might suit the the outer shell, and hopefully it matches with, um, with what's inside. And and tell us about you know kind of your production. Where where do you make your chocolates? Uh, so um, I ha- I'm finishing up a lease in Berkeley right now. I'm working out of a commercial kitchen um, or on Fourth Street, and I will be moving to a kitchen in Oakland in the next couple of weeks, which I'm really excited about. Oh, nice! And so and so, why Oakland? Why did you choose uh, as Oakland as your place to set up your business? Yeah. 
So um, I moved to Oakland about five years ago, and um, initially I came here to work at Kaiser Oakland, and I just grew to love this city. I I love everything about it. I love especially the diversity. Um, While I was was thinking about this, when I was at Kaiser, uh, we saw patients from all different uh, nationalities, and they... English was not necessarily their first language, so we would often have to request an interpreter. And I was curious to see how many languages had been requested, um, how many interpreters had been requested. And there were actually over 100 different languages, which was just astounding to me. I mean, where else are you going to find this? You know, 100 different languages living side by side. And I, I just think that's one of the things that makes Oakland so beautiful. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma, where it's predominantly white. There's not, there weren't a whole lot of Asians there. And I mean, growing up, I mostly felt very other. I didn't feel like I really belonged. But in Oakland, I do. I never feel that I don't belong here. And so I feel like this is, I just have a great affinity for this city. That's great. How, How have you felt about having a business in Oakland? So what's been your experience with that? Yeah, so that's been kind of interesting. So I'm completely new to business, so I don't really know what to expect. Um, it's been it's been kind of fun though meeting uh, meeting customers from from Oakland. Initially, my customers were mostly friends and family, and um, I started to meet customers through different events. We did um, the chocolate salon in San Francisco, um, and of course, we met different people across the bay. And then another event we did, uh, I guess, before COVID was the first Friday. Mm. I think that was, was that February, first Friday. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing. We got to just meet so many different people who we wouldn't, whose paths, who we wouldn't have crossed paths with otherwise. And, uh, yeah, just, it, it, again, it's just like seeing this smile it brings to everybody's faces. Doesn't matter what your background is. Everybody loves chocolate. It was that event you said in San Francisco. I, I, both Vincent and I are both familiar with First Fridays, but I'm not familiar with the, the one you yeah. did in San Francisco. Tell me about that event. Yeah, so the, uh, in March, this was the last event we did before uh, COVID shut everything down. Um, the, there was a craft chocolate experience, which was a event uh, hosted by Dandelion Chocolates, and they uh, organized, I think, 80 different chocolate companies, chocolate makers and chocolatiers. Um, from around the world. It was really cool. There were chocolatiers from like Brazil, Vanuatu, um, just everywhere. And um, I also got the chance to meet other chocolatiers from around the Bay Area, um, which, I mean, you would think that we would be competitive, but I, I mm-hmm. think with small craft chocolate companies, I, I don't think there's any reason to be competitive. Like um, we learn a lot from one another. And, um, and I think, Customers also like having variety to choose from. Like, even though they might have a favorite chocolatier, they like to try other companies. And I fully support that. And I think my hope is that we can make San Francisco, the Bay Area, a new chocolate destination. When I went to um, Belgium, I just saw so many different chocolate companies in the same square. You know, like you would think they're competing, but um, I think they actually work together and, uh, just elevate the food scene in that city. So what makes your chocolate uh, different from some of the other vendors or, or, um, or chocolatiers that are making chocolate here in the Bay area? Um, 
Well, I think it does have to taste and see for yourself. But I think um, what I like... Yeah, for sure, we will. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to send you some. Um, I think, like, there's a lot... I think there's, there's, um, there's a group of people who like very fine and very fancy high-end chocolates. And I think that's a bit out of reach for the most most people. Like even for myself, I don't I don't see myself as spending, you know, like um <laughs> when I went to the fancy food show in San Francisco, there was a chocolate bar that was selling for sixty dollars. And I mean that's that's a kind of a luxury that's the out of reach for a lot of people. Um and but then at the same end there's people uh, on the other hand, there's people who um grew up eating only Hershey's chocolate. And I'm the same, you know, I grew up eating Hershey's chocolate and there's things I love. I love Reese's peanut butter cups, but the rest of the chocolate, I feel like, I feel like Americans are uh, shortchanged there. We, the more I eat, I guess as I've grown older, I've noticed that chocolate feels kind of waxy. Um, it doesn't have like the same rich chocolatey taste that chocolate bars have had from other countries. And so what I'm trying to do is bridge the gap between, you know, people who habitually eat just, um, like what we call mass market chocolates to and somewhere in between mass market chocolates and like the really high end chocolates. And I want to make chocolate accessible to everyone. I think sometimes the flavors can be quite intimidating if you're not familiar with them. Uh, and so like the things that some of these things are uh, more familiar, like raspberry or peanut butter or coffee. And then some other things might be, uh, <laughs> there's some other things that might be a little bit more unusual, like yuzu for example, or um, uh, hazelnut uh, or speculose. Speculose is a kind of cookie that's really popular in Belgium. It's like a spiced cookie. I think it tastes kind of like Christmas. And um, so my, my hope is that I can introduce Americans to um, different flavors, but in a, an accessible way. And so how do you conceive the idea for, for like, you know, your, your next piece? You know, what do you, what's the process for that? Why, why don't you walk us through that? Uh, for my next chocolate? So, yeah. um, I think, well, the, I guess with my most recent chocolate that I developed, um, there was a, there's a new chocolate called Ruby chocolate, which is developed um, by a company in uh, Belgium. And, uh, you know, you've heard of milk, dark, and white chocolates. And Ruby is considered the fourth chocolate. It's pink. I don't know if you've seen it in the grocery stores. Um, Charles Chocolate, which is another local chocolate, he's a chocolate, uh, he's a chocolate maker. He does chocolate bars. Um, okay. he has that in, I've seen it at Whole Foods and Berkeley Bowl. Um, so it's pink and it tastes, it tastes fruity. The distributor of um, Ruby chocolates, uh, approached me and said, um, it, it offered me some bags of chocolate if I could uh, develop a new chocolate bonbon. And this was one that I had hoped to introduce at one of the markets we were going to be uh, selling at, but unfortunately that event was canceled. Anyway, um, as I was tasting the ruby just by itself, it just it tasted uh, a bit tart, a little tangy, kind of fruity. And if you close your eyes, it tastes almost like a fruity white chocolate when you're tasting it. And so I thought that would pair really nicely with yuzu, uh, yuzu is not a super common flavor, I think, in, with chocolate. It's, um, it's a Japanese citrus. It's a little bit bitter, a little bit umami. Um, and I thought that would be an interesting combination to try with yogurt. Oh. So that's how the Ruby Yuzu yogurt bonbon was started. 
uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's a beautiful little piece. It's, it's pink. It's naturally pink. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, the only coloring on it is like a little spot of yellow in the center of the flower. So that's, um, how that one came about. I'm looking at, um, looking, trying to bring in more Asian influences mm-hmm. and trying to go back to my Taiwanese roots, um, and trying to find ways that we can implement flavors, uh, from Taiwan. Like, for example, um, one of the, uh, the most beloved treats in Taiwan is a, is called a pineapple cake. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a pineapple shortcake with pineapple filling inside it. Um, I think that would be a really fun thing to try to put in a, in a chocolate bonbon. Um, there's also a lot of local fruits in Taiwan, such as guava or lychee, mango, that kind of thing. So those are things I'm really interested in trying to develop later this summer. Uh, just lately, it's been difficult keeping up regular production of uh, my, my current line. So hopefully things will slow down. I mean, I guess I don't really want business to slow down, but hopefully I'll <laughs> find some more time to develop a few flavors. Yeah, those are good problems to have. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from your website, um, what what avenues or what ways can people find you and, and purchase your chocolates? Yeah. So uh, right now, the website is still the easiest way, um, and it's, I'm available for local pickup as well. Um, yeah, because we don't really have any venues to sell at. I'm hopeful that in in event in the future that I can pair up with a, um, like a local coffee shop or something like that, because I think the chocolates go really nicely with a, with a cup of coffee or perhaps tea. Um, haven't gotten around to doing that part yet though. So yeah, it's really, really mostly through the website. Now you started last year, right? Uh, yep. And then we got hit with COVID. Is there, is there anything? Well, well tell us, what are you doing differently since COVID hit? <laughs> yeah. So, a big part of my sales uh, tactic, I guess, was getting samples into people's hands. Because like, when you, I, I mean, I'm, I'm cost conscious, cost conscious as well. And if I see it like a expensive treat, I might think about it and think like, I'd admire it and say, oh, that's a beautiful piece, but I don't, I don't really want to spend the money on that. Um, and then like distract myself with something else. And so like, if, like, if you don't taste it, you don't know. And you just keep walking by. So at these, um, at uh, different craft events or like the chocolate salon, we would always give people samples for them to try. And, um, that generated a lot of sales. So now that we don't have that anymore, um, it's been harder to find new customers. So what I've done to try to, um, capture new customers is, um, when I had all that extra inventory from the craft chocolate event, I promoted, I, I started a promotion that was buy 12, get six pieces free. Um, a lot of people um, gave those six-piece boxes to friends as gifts, and then that, in that way, they were getting samples and um, I've gotten a number of sales from from those friends. And same thing has gone on with Mother's Day. Um, I've gotten a number of repeat orders from the mothers who are wanting to buy presents for for other people. Um, there's been some other things I've done. Like I, I'm usually I'm pretty sh- camera shy. I don't like to. Uh, um, really promote myself online, but I've learned that it's something that you, it's, it's crucial in this time. And so I've been trying to work on my Instagram some more and that working with other people and, um, getting a bit more creative in, in sales and marketing. So for instance, uh, I guess when there was a big run on toilet paper, um, I thought it would be kind of funny to, 
um, bundle chocolates with a roll of toilet paper. And I, I really made that, I really juiced up that toilet paper. I put like a bow around it and a colorful toilet paper. That's and I initially, I initially just posted it as a joke. I didn't think yeah. anybody was going to buy it. And then like 40 rolls later, my stash was completely depleted. And so I had to go to Costco and buy more toilet paper. Wow. So, <laughs> That's funny. That's pretty creative. So, <laughs> yes. So there's, there's things that I've been trying to, um, d- different uh, marketing techniques, but uh, I, I think that's probably been the most successful one and hopefully it's brought a smile to a bunch of people's faces and maybe saved them a trip to the grocery store. Nice. At least delayed it for a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Tell us one uh, uh, maybe interesting thing that, that you would want uh, listeners to know about uh, you and your chocolate business and kind of the direction that you're headed into. Hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I think for, for me, um, Formosa and making chocolates is personally meaningfully personally meaningful to me. I grew up in a culture where um, I love you wasn't really said. Uh, we, my family expresses love more through food than through uh, words, or through actions than words. And food is a big, big one of those, a big part of those actions that they do. So grannies, my aunties, my mother, everybody was always feeding me and um they one of the greetings in taiwan is actually have you eaten yet that's how you ask how somebody's doing have you eaten yet and so food is always feeding my friends my loved ones has always been just how i express how i care about somebody and um i'm seeing that more and more with um with with the pandemic i guess a lot of people are sending care packages to one another if they can't be there in person that they're also sending each other encouragement to um, chocolates and just with each with each order, I offer complimentary handwritten notes. And mm. um, an unexpected bonus of all this is just getting to see all the messages that people are writing to each other. They are just so funny and loving and sweet and encouraging, and um, it's just it's beautiful to see. And unfortunately, like not all like uh, I'm not really able to share all those messages with the world because I guess I want to protect my customers' privacy. But yeah, it's just some of these messages are just really, really great. So, hey, Kim, thanks so much for your time today. This has been awesome. And um, I think that people are going to enjoy your chocolates, but we have to let them know how they can, how they can get them. So you mentioned yeah. earlier online, you know, tell us, yep. you know, how can people find you online, on social media? How can they follow you? Yeah. So um, you can find me on formosachocolates.com. It's F-O-R-M-O-S-A chocolates with an S at the end dot com. Um, I'm also on Instagram on, under the handle at Formosa Chocolates. Same name on Facebook as well. And um, yeah, I'm reachable via um, messages on Instagram or through email. Cool. What's your email if someone wanted to email you? Ah, yeah, it's info at formosachocolates.com. Okay. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully people will find you and enjoy the chocolates. I hope so. Thank you very much. Thanks for interviewing me. Thanks for taking the time to chat. Thank you for listening to the Town Roots Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the hosts, head over to www.townroots.com. 